Welcome to Euractive Tech Brief Podcast. My name is Theophan Hartmann, your technology reporter. This week, we look at the Gigabit Infrastructure Act, a regulation aiming to harmonize rules for the telecom infrastructure sector in the EU. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website euractive.com. This is Euractive Tech Brief Podcast. Today, we welcome to our Tech Brief Podcast, Mr. Alin Duta, member of the European Parliament and rapporteur of the Gigabit Infrastructure Act, a regulation aiming to harmonize rules for the telecom infrastructure market in the EU. The Gigabit Infrastructure Act was voted upon on Tuesday 19th during the Parliament's Industry Research and Energy Committee and granted a mandate to negotiate the Parliament version of the text for interinstitutional negotiation with the Council of the EU and the European Commission, known as the Trialogues. As for now, the Council of the EU is still working on its own version of the text, Hence, uh, the trialogues should start in a couple of months. So in order to start this discussion, uh, I would like to ask you, um, Mr. Mituta, um, as rapporteur of the text of the Gigabit Infrastructure Act, could you remind our auditors why the Commission did suggest a reform of the 2014 Broadband Cost Reduction Directive and with what goals in mind? Uh, thank you. First of all, thank you for the invitation. Indeed, we adopted our position on the Gigabit Infrastructure Act recently in the ITRE committee, and we look forward to the Council for the Council to adopt its position in order to start the trilogues. Yes, as you said, uh, for us it was essential, and it is essential that this new piece of legislation comes in the form of a regulation. Why? Because the what we had until now, so the directive from 2014 simply didn't work. Didn't work because we have so many diverging practices, we have bottlenecks, we have a um, problem of transparency, and um, uh, I, I can give you only some examples for it. We have, um, for example, only for permit granting, we have member states which uh, give the, the, the permit in two months, others they give the permit in up to two years. So this is a quite... A, diverging quite diverging practices so uh, we cannot work like this if we want to attain the the um, uh, 2030 um, targets in the 20, in the uh, digital decade program uh, we also have major discrepancies in terms of coverage of very high capacity networks uh, we have uh, like full coverage for example in countries like Netherlands whereas in countries like Belgium or Germany, uh, we have less than 10%. So this, this, this situation is problematic and that's why we need the regulation because the regulation will allow us to have, to have um, a higher degree of uh, harmonization uh, while also giving uh, some flexibility to, to the member states to, to adapt to the, to the national uh, circumstances. So for us, for the Commission, but also for the Parliament, the fact that this text comes in the form of regulation is really uh, essential and is the most uh, the important added value of, of, uh, of this piece of legislation. 
I see. So, so we understand that um, for the purpose of harmonization, um, uh, you decided to 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 keep the legal instrument as a regulation and not as a directive, as it was the case in, in 2014. Um, maybe you could tell us more about the most uh, consensual, but also the most uh, debated points of a text among the among your colleagues, among members of the parliament during the different meetings you had together? Yes, we had quite a lot of meetings, uh, but I must say that um, we shared a lot of uh, um, ideas. So the major points, uh, which were, for example, to um, to have a broad coverage in uh, rural, rural areas or remote and isolated areas, this was a shared objective of everyone. Uh, efficient digitalization of the permit granting process was also something that we agreed very quickly. Um, I can say maybe some points of disagreement were uh, connected to the notion of tacit approval for the permit granting. Uh, but then again, uh, we managed to have a, a good position in the parliament, uh, which takes into account the situations in the member states where this notion of tacit approval doesn't uh, exist in the national legislation or contradicts some parts of the national legislation. But for that, those specific cases of the member states, we uh, managed to have some degree of flexibility and I think gives us the right uh, uh, instrument to, to, to negotiate with the Council. Exactly. Thank you very much. And maybe because in your first uh, answer, you mentioned um, permit granting, and then you just mentioned uh, tacit approval. Um, so these are actually, this is a, a debated point uh, to have tacit approval uh, when it comes to granting a permit. Can you maybe dive into uh, what does this mean, tacit approval uh, in detail for our auditors, and why this is such a, a point of debate uh, at the parliament, but, uh, but also for, for member states? Yes, so the tacit approval uh, means the fact that after a certain period of time um, where the, uh, the, the authorities, uh, in the case where authorities that they don't give an answer, a proactive answer to, the, to a request by, the, by an operator, um, the, the approval is deemed to be adopted, let's say. So this is the, the principle of the tacit that tacit approval. I think this is, a, this is important because uh, it does what is the objective of the uh, regulation, namely to, um, to have faster procedures. Uh, and I think this is very important to have faster procedures. Uh, but and this goes uh, hand in hand with the other important element that we have in the regulation, namely the single information point. So digitalization of the procedures and the fact that we have um, the tacit approval after a certain period of time gives to the operators the, uh, the necessary um, uh, framework in order to, for them to have a very good uh, understanding of uh, how they could develop the, the infrastructure. This tacit approval already exists in some regulation, for example, in the Renewable Energy Directive, and we took uh, inspiration from what we, we have in this uh, red directive and I think this is a uh, this is the the right um, the right uh, 
thing to do. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so we understand that both this single uh, information point and this tacit approval principles, uh, as you said before, as a, uh, intro- during the introduction, uh, is this is all in order to harmonize um, the EU telecom infrastructure, uh, but also to speed up the process. Uh, because you mentioned digital decade targets, which uh, mean that by 2030, the EU uh, has set for itself an objective of gigabit for connectivity for all Europeans and 5G coverage for all European households. Um, and looking at this, uh, at this objective, the strategy and what the Gigabit Infrastructure Act is trying to achieve, um, I'm coming to my question, which is, can you tell us why you added to the text something that the European Commission did not suggest uh, which is the abolition of extra fees for intra-EU calls. Uh, yes, that's that's uh, that's a very important thing that we included in our uh, mandate, the Parliament mandate. I proposed uh, this, and my colleagues, all the shadow rapporteurs, agreed with this um, to include the, the abolition of extra fees for intra-EU calls. Why? Because uh, it's very simple. We have. Uh, a regulation, um, the BEREC regulation, current BEREC regulation, which puts some caps for these intra-EU calls, but the caps will expire exactly on the 14th of May 2024. That is very, very soon. Uh, so if we don't take a measure until um, the um, until these caps will expire in May 2024, we might uh, see some increases of charges uh, in the uh, for the for the intra-EU calls, which should be something that, of course, we want to avoid. So, um, building on the position of the Parliament, um, which uh, it's the position of the Parliament is quite the traditional one because we proposed this abolition already in 2021 when we, when we discussed the roaming regulation. We proposed again that um, uh, extra fees for the intra-EU calls should be abolished, um, and that that's uh, that's uh, that's something that it's good for the would be good for the citizens of the European Union, and would also contribute to um, building uh, and strengthening the the single market in the in the telecom sector. Thank you very much. And looking at the price cap, as you mentioned. Uh, can you explain us the reasoning in keeping the Commission's proposal to introduce a price caps for uh, operators to access infrastructure or uh, for tower companies to access uh, land? Uh, don't you think that it might overregulate uh, the telecom market? Well, actually, we are not introducing caps. Uh, we are talking about fair and reasonable uh, prices for access. That's very different. So uh, this, 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 they can differ from one operator to another, and there is no maximum limit uh, we are imposing. So there's, there, there are no caps uh, per se. This fair and reasonable approach is needed if we want to make sure that we don't have abusive prices and it will allow, allow operators to have, uh, let's say, a level, level playing field and complete, uh, compete fairly uh, with each other. So this is the reasoning behind having uh, fair and reasonable prices included, but we are not talking about caps. This can be uh, fair and reasonable prices 
uh, will be interpreted according to the guidelines that the Commission will issue uh, and it will be interpreted, interpreted uh, in each member state depending on the, on the, on the uh, local market. Thank you very much. I have also to, to ask you a question because two weeks ago we were welcoming in this podcast uh, your colleague, uh, a member of parliament, uh, Mr. Ivar Sijabs, and uh, Christian Zomer, member of the board and chief legal officer at Vantage Towers, in order to discuss the specific business model of tower companies. Um, so this is a business model and even tower companies is are companies that the general public don't really understand what it is and what it means. So can you maybe tell, uh, take us through uh, what is uh, this uh, sector, of this subsector of telecom, and explain us why you kept it uh, in the scope of the text and how you improved uh, the European Commission proposal? Yes, so the tower companies are quite essential in deploying very high capacity networks, especially of course for 5G, so for mobile um, connection. Uh, we have um, the position of the tower companies in the EU keeps uh, strengthening, uh, and this is very important. It's important also because the tower companies are essential in order to deploy very high capacity networks in rural and uh, scarcely populated uh, areas, but also on transport corridors. So for us, it was important to keep the tower companies in the scope of the regulation. What uh, It's what we did, we, we kept them in the scope in order for them to have all the um, benefits and the rights that come uh, by including them in the scope. That means, for example, that they will benefit for the um, um, measures that we included connected to the coordination of civil works. They will have access to um, streamlined permit procedures, shorter timelines for permits, uh, digitized pro uh, procedure for permit granting and so on. So this is, this is very important for the tower companies to, uh, to uh, continue to develop in the union because, as I said, they are essential for the, for the um, deployment of very high capacity networks, especially in the areas where we lag behind, such as rural areas, but also transport corridors uh, and so on. So this is the reasoning why we kept them in the scope of the regulation uh, and uh, we gave them uh, also additional, uh, additional uh, benefits compared to the Commission proposal. Thank you very much. And uh, I think you also did a, a differentiation between uh, dependent and independent tower companies. Um, so why is that? Uh, is it uh, an attempt to separate uh, tower companies from uh, legal, uh, from legacy operators? No. The, so the reason, the reason why, for example, the we uh, we, we included two separate uh, situations for independent tower companies and uh, the other companies simply because tower companies which are controlled by an operator do not necessarily have uh, incentive to give access to other operators to their infrastructure. So in that specific cases, we, uh, we thought that it would be important to, um, to have uh, to, to impose a fair and reasonable uh, access for the, for, for the infrastructure. Whereas for the, uh, for the other companies, which work on a wholesale model, this is not necessary because it's, it's in the business models to offer access to 
more than one uh, operator. So this is simply a question of, um, uh, let's say, uh, control of the uh, of the tower company by an operator or independent uh, or being independent from an operator. Okay, thank you very much. Um, yesterday, uh, you were part of a, of a discussion panel at an event by uh, Euractiv. And uh, there was a discussion also with the European Commission representatives, uh, with a representative from uh, uh, the Council of the EU. Um, and there was this discussion about uh, member states having to be convinced on uh, keeping the Gigabit Infrastructure Act as a regulation, uh, then convincing them about the benefits of a tacit approval principle. Now there is this uh, addition of uh, the abolition of extra fees for intra-EU calls uh, in the text. I would ask you a, a broad questions. Um, on what part of the text do you expect, do you expect uh, debates uh, with the Council of the EU, uh, with the European Commission? Do you also expect uh, to have uh, common positions uh, with, uh, with the Commission of the Council? What is your, your position on, on what will happen during the inter-institutional uh, debate, during the so-called uh, trilogues? Uh, yes, for the moment, what we know is the parliament position and, of course, the commission position. We don't know exactly what will be the final position of the council because this is still debated. Uh, we expect the council, of course, to uh, to have a final uh, text as soon as possible in order to start the, the trilogues. I, From an initial point of view, I would say that uh, we are quite aligned on many issues, uh, so I don't expect uh many problems in the negotiations there are uh, at least three areas where we might have different views um the first one it's of course the intra-eu calls uh, this is something that the, the parliament uh adopted in its position this is something new compared to the commission proposal uh, i understand that the council did not discuss it until now we expect the council to discuss it uh, as well um, so this would be something that needs to be um, debated in the trilogues, and we must see also the, the text of the, of the council. Uh, the second, maybe the second um, area would be the timeline for permit granting, because here we have quite um, op quite an opposite, I would say, view uh, the commission came uh, with the proposal to have a four month deadline four months deadline um, we in the parliament proposed to have uh, two months uh, for the permit granting procedure uh, and uh, i understand that the council is looking more towards um, uh, having uh, more than four months or more than the commission proposed so here we 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 have to discuss and see uh, what would be the, the best solution. The best solution, well, in my view, the best solution is what we are proposing in the parliament, two months, because this is, two months is the uh, median uh, time in the member states, in the majority of the member states. So I don't see the reason why we should have more than, than two months. Then maybe a third point would be the so-called guidelines, fair and reasonable prices. For example, this, in our view, in the view of the parliament, this should be, drafted by the Commission, so that we should have European guidelines, whereas in the Council, uh, I understand that they want to have more flexibility to the member say This is uh, an important point for us because 
as we uh, talked before, this is a regulation and the added value of the regulation, it's the fact that we have common rules. Uh, so that means also that we'll have uh, the technical rules, these guidelines will be also common to the European Union as a whole and not national ones. So um, this, I think this would be the some of the points of divergence, but I hope that um, by the end, uh, by the end of the negotiations, we'll manage to have a good position, uh, common position with the Council. Great, thank you very much. And um, so maybe to to wrap up uh, and maybe to conclude. Um, so are you confident that uh, the text would be um, approved before the next uh, European elections? And why uh, should we uh, keep an attentive uh, eye on uh, on on the debate? Uh, well, yes, I, I'm, I'm confident that we can adopt the text before the, the end of the mandate. Uh, we already had discussions with the, with the Commission, with the Council. Uh, they have the same ambition to have this text adopted by the end of the, uh, of the mandate. That's why it's important to start the trilogues uh, as soon as possible. It's important that the Council comes up with uh, its proposal, its uh, uh, position, um, as soon as possible, and then we can start the trilogues with the Spanish presidency and, if necessary, with the Belgian presidency. And I'm confident that we can um, conclude the file by the end of the, uh, let's say, at the beginning of, of next year. This is important because the GIA, the Gigabit Infrastructure Act, is the first piece in the big, uh, uh, let's say, portfolio of rules that we'll have on it in the telecom sector. Um, in order to uh, to to have these um, uh, uh, very ambitious targets met by 2030, we need uh, the Gigabit Infrastructure Act to be adopted as soon as possible. Because on the basis of the Gigabit Infrastructure Act, then we'll build the other pieces of legislation. For example, how we can uh, how we can finance the the deployment of uh, very high capacity networks and so on. So this is important for the telecom sector in Europe if we want to achieve the targets that we set for 2030. That is all we got for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. I am Theo van Atman and thank you for listening.